Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and we are nearly halfway into the season as we head into week eight of the NFL. And in the NFC West, hands down, best division by far in the NFL. Because when you look at the records, pretty gnarly. The Niners are last place at 4-3, and three, but if you take their record in comparison to the NFC East, they would be first place in comparison to some other conferences. They'd probably be in second place, uh, certainly in contention, but that just shows the strength of the NFC West. It could also show a couple other things as well. The NFC West has been handling the AFC East and the NFC East as well for their scheduled games. And so, yeah, a combination of both. But just looking at it, mentioned before, the Niners, they're 4-3. and three. They're coming off a pretty convincing win at New England, in which they pretty much, from both sides of the football, uh, outmanned, outcoached, outschemed Bill Belichick, 33-6. to six. Cam Newton had three picks. Jared Sidham came in. He had to pick himself. Um, this defense played really good. Offense, complimentary football, and they came out with the win 33-6. to six. Uh, Conversely, I guess third place, Rams. Rams are 5-2 and two in Monday Night Football. A nice rebound game for them after losing to the Niners the previous week. But they, think, they thankfully got things back on track. They played at L.A., Against the Bears, Nick Foles in this offense was not too good. It was uh, pretty lackluster on their end. And this Rams team, notably Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, um, shout out to Taylor Rapp with the end zone pick, but this defense took care of business. So they came out top 24 to 10. Uh, and then you have the Cardinals. They're second place at 5-2, and two, but a very intriguing 5-2 and two for them because they finally... Well, I won't say finally, but Sunday Night Football, they played the Seahawks at Arizona, and they came out with a very impressive win, 37-34 uh, to 34 in overtime. It was a battle in which, uh, I mean, a win to win, but Zane Gonzalez shanked a kick earlier in overtime, missed, but he didn't expect Russell Wilson to throw three picks, one being in, in the red zone. Uh, the other two being very opportunistic to lead towards the Cardinals coming away with the win. Um, but for both these defenses, not necessarily too high to put your head on. Sure, the Cardinals came away with, you know, three picks, including one by Isaiah Sims to go ahead and lead them to overtime victory field goal. But, you know, 37-34, to 34, both defenses weren't doing so hot. Uh, and Russell Wilson balled out. Even though he had three picks, he had a considerable day. Um, I mean, shoot, Tyler Lockett had 200 yards, 15 catches, three touchdowns, for example. And so, yeah, no, both teams put up great points. It was between Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, and their receivers. So if you're in Seattle land, how do you feel about this? I mean, it sucks to have the loss, but at the same time, too, a lot of bad things had to happen for this outcome to happen. So Seattle still lays up top five to one while the rest of the division five and two Arizona five and two Los Angeles and four and three San Francisco Niners. So let's go ahead and talk about the matchups at hand for week eight. So right now the Cardinals have a bye week. Pretty cool for them. They can rest up and get ready for the next 
games at hand in week nine. Kenyon Drake is out with an ankle injury. Um, not sh- too sure if he's going to play in week nine, but you know there is some promise with Chase Edmonds and what we saw just to end the game last week. And actually, uh, the last couple games for that matter, he's been playing very well. Uh, but the Cardinals have a bye week, so you only have two games in the NFC West for Week 8. And one game in particular is going to be by far one of the better games this week for Week 8. If anything, you can make a case that sh- this should be flexed out to Sunday Night Football. Or Monday Night, I, I don't know, but it's a really good game. You have the Niners, who are 4-3, and three, aforementioned last place. But if they go to Seattle, in which Seattle is hosting... Without the 12s, Seattle with their 5-1 record. If they can beat the Seahawks at home in the divisional game, I mean, that would go leaps and bounds in terms of where this division is really heading. Um, you know, As of right now, got the Niners 1-1 one one in the division, one loss to the Cardinals, one win to the Rams, and yet the Seahawks technically 0-1, lost to the Cardinals. And so divisional games matter, especially if you're, that tightly bound in the NFC West, and you want to win the division. You want to win the division because after that wild card, while there are three wild card spots this year, it would be very, very rare if all four teams, all four division teams in the NFC West were to take the postseason, get the three wild card spots. I mean, it could happen, but I have yet to see that. So if you're the Niners, uh, I won't say it's a must-win game, but it's a very important game considering all the momentum they've been having. And if I'm Seattle, I mean, this is a... Um, I mean, you always want to win in the NFC West, but you know, to drop two straight back-to-back divisional, one to the Cardinals, and if they were to lose to the Niners at home, that one would really hurt them. It would really hurt them. But having said that, you have... The Seattle Seahawks favored by three points in what is perceived as a shootout with an over-under of 53 points. Seattle minus three, over-under 53. A lot of high scoring being projected just because if you look at both these defenses, uh, while the Niners are a pretty good unit, everyone knows they're an oft-injured group without Bosa, without D Ford, without Richard Sherman. And so you have that on one end. But even for the Seahawks, I mean, they have a ton of injuries as well. Maybe not as much as the Niners, but Jamal Adams, I don't think he's going to be playing. Uh, Shaquille Griffin, he's out officially with a concussion. Um, You know, so you're putting a lot of pressure on this defense that's already been struggling in like every metric in defense. Pass pressure, pass defense. They are a decent run defense group, but overall... Week over week, they've been allowing 30-plus points. Uh, the one game they had very well was against the Dolphins, but every other game, it's been a pretty much a shootout. And that is not good formula football for the Seahawks, especially because, I mean, historically speaking, they're supposed to be a defensive team. So you have a high over-under for 53. Uh, but let's just talk about the matchups for this because it should be a very intense, wacky sort of game because every time the Niners play the Seahawks, Seahawks play the Niners. It always ends in pretty dramatic fashion. Um, you can look into like last time, week 17 at Seattle, 26-21, to 21, in which the Niners won, thankfully off a of Dre Greenlaw tackle, but that pass to tight end Jacob Hollister, it was literally inches away from taking the win 
and taking the NFC West. So let's go ahead and fast forward with this, okay? So when the Niners have the football and Seattle is defending, I mean, the biggest thing for San Francisco is injuries. Debo Samuel is out. Raheem Mostert is out. Jeff Wilson is out. He came back last week, 112 yards, three touchdowns. And so if you're Kyle Shanahan, what are you going to do against a defense that I'm assuming they're going to try to take away some of the underneath um, closer stuff with the jet sweeps. I'm assuming that's going to happen, but what does Kyle Shanahan have in store for a defense that has been this bad on pass defense? And I'm looking at you, Jimmy Garoppolo, because the last couple of games, it's been working. Dink and dunk, a lot of safe screens, um, shovel passes and whatnot uh, for Jimmy Garoppolo, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and this offense, George Kittle. But is this the game where it's like, I don't, I don't know, the Jimmy G game where, you know, Seattle's pass rush isn't the best. Their front seven is formidable with Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright. Um, you can even make a case for Jordan Brooks. I mean, they're, they're rangy backers, right? So if they do their contain up front, that means there should be some shots downfield or at least midfield to take advantage of this uh, off-troubled secondary. Because, you know, looking at the secondary, you have Quinn Dunbar, uh, limited in practice. He had, I think he had like a, I don't know, like a knee injury. Uh, so he's not 100%. Trey Flowers, he's a decent starter, but uh, not preferred. And so when you look at this, I mean, no Debo Samuel, but Brendan Ayuk, Kendrick Bourne, George Kittle. I mean, yeah, uh, there should be some really good matchups down the middle of the field. If they allow it, if Jimmy Garoppolo is able to step up into the pocket, if he is able to get a clean lane and, uh, you know, deliver some throws. Last week, he had a throw to Brandon Ayuk that went for over 30 yards the first time all season. But it was a little a little off in which, uh, you know, Brandon Ayuk had to make an adjustment. Uh, caught it, went out of bounds, but it could have been a better throw. That could have been a 60-yard touchdown, for example. So in this instance, yeah, I, I want to see... A little bit more Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's just in regards to the passing game. When the Niners have the football and they're running the football, well, they're going to do it often. And I hope they do it well. Seattle, they have a decent group defending the run, like I mentioned before. Uh, not top top end, but out of all facets of the defense, they probably defend the run better than anything. But the Niners, for their sake, for their sake of playing complimentary football and keeping the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands because, you know, this over-under is 53. They don't want to shoot out because, you know, Seahawks are more attuned to having Russell Wilson and co. sling it downfield, not the Niners. But if it does come to that instance, I mean, if it's under the Niners' control and the Niners win this football game, they will play complimentary football by running the football and setting Jimmy Garoppolo up for play action. Um, and that comes to who's, who's running the rock. Offensive line lately, it's been playing well. The last couple of weeks. So my question is, you know, who's going to be the primary ball carrier this time around? Jeff Wilson's out. Raheem Mostert's out. And so presumably speaking, Jarek McKinnon. But they haven't been really using him that much lately because of quote-unquote tired legs. You have the rookie, the undrafted free agent, who's looked really good in limited action. Is this his breakout game? Jermichael Hasty out of Baylor. Uh, last week, I think he had like, what, nine carries for 60 yards? Had, had showed a lot of promise. 
showed a lot of promise. And so this time around, will they finally kind of give him the keys to this offense? Do they trust him at Seattle? It's a big game. Uh, and then you, there's this X factor as well, Tevin Coleman. And I know for a lot of Niner fans, they're not particularly high on Tevin Coleman, but he is a solid back, um, a north-south runner, bruising sort of back that could soften up defenses. He's been out the last couple of weeks with an, uh, with an ankle injury, but they just activated him. He's slated to play. So I wonder how he will be integrated into this offense. Uh, but overall, the Niners' run game it will be a very important part to complement what Jimmy Garoppolo does when he does take shots downfield. In the best-case scenario, you're running the football and just moving the chains and having Jimmy Garoppolo uh, schemed up accordingly for play action. Play action downfield to Brandon Ayuk. Notably. Uh, when Seattle's on defense, though, going back to this, I mean, they know the run's coming. They know that Kyle Shanahan will have an array of screens, um, shovel passes, reverses, what have you. Uh, but this defense, even though you know it's coming, can you stop it? Are they ready for it? Up to this point, this defense has not shown too much. It has not shown too much. Uh, they traded for Carlos Dunslap earlier this week but they're not going to get him this week so i mean who's going to step up and rush the passer jimmy garoppolo he's not that mobile but at the same time this pass defense hasn't been able to bring it home who's going to step up for the defense honestly i i don't know no jamal adams uh no skill griffin uh they're going to need some playmakers bobby wagner comes top of mind i know that we've been getting a lot of talk about fred warner and what he's done the last couple weeks had a sweet pick against the Patriots, but Bobby Wagner, it would be nice to see if he, he can match up against Kittle or have a timely pick, um, make a big-time play, because right now, this defense needs some playmakers. They need some playmakers big time to execute. So conversely, when the Seahawks have the football and the Niners are on the defense, I mean, you know, first and foremost, let Russ cook. That is presumably what's going to happen. I'm sure they're going to test this night of secondary. Um, you know, they don't have Richard Sherman, Jimmy Ward, Stokowski Tart. They're likely out. And so shots downfield should be there, which looks really nice for Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf, receiver out of Ole Miss. He is um, he's a beast. Big target, 6'3", 6'4". Can run very, very fast, as you guys saw last Sunday Night Football when he made that open field tackle against Buda Baker. But uh, big targets, big red zone guy. He was blanketed essentially by Patrick Peterson last week against uh, when they played the Cardinals. But the thing about the Niners is they don't really have a Patrick Peterson. They don't have a Jalen Ramsey. They don't have a shutdown corner. They don't play shutdown corner type of scheme. So you'll have either Jason Verrett, you'll have Emmanuel Mosley, likely going to be matched up and paired up with maybe some safety help over the top but yeah you're gonna have some shorter corners going against dk metcalf and that is a matchup that despite you know all the coverage that verrett and mosley have done very well the last couple weeks i mean you know a size matchup like metcalf will give anyone its fair share of troubles so i mean i'm sure between marcel harris and Tavares moore the starting safeties, they're going to try to test the secondary. I have no doubt about it. And even underneath, there's another interesting matchup as well. Tyler Lockett coming off 15 catches, 200 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, yeah, last week Metcalf was shut down, so all the passes went to 
to lock it. Uh, what's going to happen this time around? K1 Williams nickelback for the Niners comes back after injury. He was dealing with an ankle injury, I believe, um, but he's coming back. I don't know how, you know, how ready he is, if he's got some rust, but that should be a primetime matchup. Um, this pass defense will be tested mightily. This is probably going to be one of their biggest pass rush, not pass rush, pass defense tests this season because, I mean, the Seahawks offense is, it, it's it's cooking. It's cooking big time with Russell Wilson. Uh, which makes me think to the stuff underneath. When Russell Wilson runs the ball as a mobile quarterback, when they run the ball with, I don't know who's going to run now, but Chris Carson is questionable. Hyde is hurt. Um, Travis Homer's hurt. DJ Dallas is slated. Might be slated to start, but, you know, up front, uh, how is this defensive line going to do? How are they going to do in regards to the trenches? How are they going to do to to rush the passer? Bring pressure to Russell Wilson. Um, keep him, keep him in the pocket. You don't want him rolling out and doing some other Russell Wilson stuff. But what are they going to do against one of the best passing offenses in the NFL? Uh, you would hope it gets one dimensional. Mentioned before, there's a lot of injuries to the running backs, but you know this defensive line, this front seven, and what they're going to do to contain Russell Wilson uh, when he rolls out, when he runs open field, uh, when he tries to extend plays. That is going to be huge. That is going to be huge. So if you're the Seahawks just overall, I mean, I know you've been relying on Russell Wilson the entire season. Rightfully so. MVP candidate. It does make make you worry, though. The defense isn't playing that great lately. So obviously a lot of the pressure is on Russell Wilson. And ever more so if this run game gets compromised. You know, uh, he... he Finally looked kind of human last week against the Cardinals. Those three picks, I mean, you know, you're bound to make mistakes, but I just, uh, I didn't see that coming from Russell Wilson, especially that one in the end zone where he was throwing to Chris Carson on on the flats, and it was picked off by Buda Baker, as you guys saw. DK Metcalf went back, tackled him at the five, but uh, makes you wonder. Makes you wonder. Um, I think that this Niners defense, they're they're a decent group despite all the injuries. But once again, they haven't really been um, been sacking the quarterback either. Optimistic if I'm the Seahawks. Overall, when I think about this matchup, you know, Seattle going into this week, they were favored by six. Uh, it's gone down all the way to three, two and a half. You know, obviously with these injuries, it plays a part. Obviously with the Niners and their momentum, with their win against uh, New England, plays a part. So what have we for the division? Last time, 26-21. This time around, it's going to be close. It's going to be close as always. I think that the X factor is going to be a couple of things. Uh, one X factor is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. What type of quarterback do we get this time around? Are they going to allow him to throw? Is Jimmy ready for the moment to succeed? I mean, they haven't really, honestly, they haven't tested any secondary that much this season. So this might be the time for Jimmy Garoppolo. Really excited to see how that goes. On the other end, for the Seahawks, I think everyone knows that Russell Wilson and this passing offense is going to be able to do well. Like, there's no doubt about it. I'm more concerned about, uh, you know, for Seattle, can they get enough pressure on Jimmy G? to make a Jimmy G interception because he's super susceptible when he's pressured to make these boneheaded throws. He does like, 
I don't know, at least one boneheaded throw every week. Every week he plays. Even last week against the Patriots, he had an interception to George Kittle high down the, down the middle of the field. So that could certainly happen again this week. Uh, but can they bring enough pressure to have those moments? So all in all, go ahead and give me a tight one. It can go either way, 34-31, SF or Seattle. But this time around, I'm going to take the Niners. I think the Niners have enough momentum going for them. I think that they have... Um, I think that their offense is coming together quite nicely at the perfect time, especially into the gauntlet of their schedule. Conversely, for the Seahawks, I mean, you know, they, they've had, they've been playing great football, uh, but it goes back to this defense. Can they make enough plays to win ball games? And in this instance, I don't know. Close one. 34-31, Niners, book it. Okay. Uh, I should have actually done this the other way around because the Niners play... Niners and Seahawks play in the afternoon, and you have the Rams and Dolphins in the morning, but excuse me for that. I I guess I had more enthusiasm for the Seahawks and Niners, so it is what it is. But at 10 a.m., you have the Rams going to Miami for a road game, a 10 a.m. East Coast road game, in which you have the Rams favored by 3.5 over under 46. And you would think, you know, the Dolphins, they're good. But they're not great. I mean, they're 3-3. Three and three. Sure, they beat the Niners. Um, they had a good chance to beat the Seahawks. But, you know, they haven't been playing all-worldly to have the Rams at just 3.5-point favorites. I mean, the Rams are 5-2. and two. They had a very convincing win against the Bears. But there is one X-factor that oversees pretty much anything like to be included in this matchup. Not Aaron Donald, not Jalen Ramsey. Not Devontae Parker. Definitely not Ryan Fitzpatrick anymore, but it's uh, Tuye Tualopo. This year's first-round pick uh, out of Alabama. So this is going to be his career start, his debut into the NFL. And lots of excitement for this Miami Dolphins franchise. This is probably going to be one of the most important games in Dolphins history because this is their, their golden boy, essentially. Uh, that they have groomed up to this point in which they, you know, despite the 3-3 three and three record, they announced going into their bye week that they would bench Ryan Fitzpatrick in favor of the rookie to start his rookie campaign. So, is this a trap game? Rams 3.5? Or are they just overlooking this? I mean, two ways to go about it. It's a morning East Coast game. It's very difficult to play. But at the same time, too, you're going against a rookie quarterback. A talented rookie quarterback, don't get me wrong, but a rookie nonetheless. So, especially for his debut, uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good if I'm Aaron Donald, if I'm Michael Brockers, if I'm Leonard Floyd. And I mean, I think I like my chances into getting inside this, uh, this rookie's head. So let's go ahead and start off that way, talking about Rams defense. So... When the Dolphins have the football and you have Tui Lopo under center, Ricky quarterback, I mean, what are the Rams going to be thinking? Um, you know, on one end, mentioned before, yeah, duh, he's a rookie, so let's let's get to him, challenge him, make some throws in his debut game. But at the same time, too, also note that in terms of the film work, I mean, uh, to, he hasn't really played football since his injury at Alabama. And having said that, 
we're in week eight. Not much film of the kid, right? He had two passes against the Jets. Not much to really foster off of that. So I don't know necessarily what the Dolphins are planning to do to integrate him and get him comfortable doing some of the stuff he does in college. But I can imagine some rollouts and some other things to you know, evade the pressure that Aaron Donald and this front seven can bring. Uh, but at the same time, too, I mean, if I'm the Rams, I'm going to be a little concerned about their secondary. Uh, a bunch of the rookies that were really promising and contributing would be, well, you have uh, Fuller, you have Burgess. I mean, they are out this game. And, you know, thankfully, they have their safeties starting and Taylor Rapp and John Johnson the third, But at the same time, the Stokely defense that the Rams do, they use a lot of dime and quarter packages they really utilize all their defensive backs uh you have jalen ramsey not necessarily playing the traditional cornerback role anymore quote unquote the star guy he's like a center fielder that um can guard inside outside what have you but a lot of pressure on the other defensive backs to hold their end of the, of the deal as well so i don't know this dolphins offense they're not world beaters but they have a good amount of decent options uh, you know, some passing targets for Tuolopo. You have Devontae Parker. You have Preston Williams, Mike Jaseski, tight end. Even Adam Shaheen, who out of nowhere has been on a tear for, you know, for touchdowns. They gave him a two-year extension. So they have some, certainly they have some capable pass catchers that can really put some pressure on this Rams pass defense. Um, you know, you're hoping that Tua isn't too he wasn't too mobile. Tua isn't too mobile, and he's able to feel uncomfortable with the pre- pass rush that is going to be coming his way because I'm sure the Rams are going to challenge him. Uh, but, yeah, I'd say that out of that defense, and mind you, this defense is a very stout defense, both run defense, pass defense. Like, they are a top 10 unit eight weeks into the season. But at the same time, not much filming the kid. And you have to worry about some of the depth issues that they currently have for safeties and cornerbacks uh, when they deploy a lot of their dime and nickel packages. Okay. Uh, other than that, I mean, you know, they're running it. My, they have opportunists. I mean, they have Miles Gaskin, Matt Breed. They're, they're okay, but I'm not as concerned as I am for what you can see come Sunday from 2 Oh, opportunity of the day, though, now that I think about it. Dolphins right side, they have Robert Hunt. They have, from what I recall, they've had some injuries on the right side of their line. So their right guard, their right tackle will be rookies. Decent rookies, mind you, but they are being thrust into roles that they were not expected to. So early into the season. So the right side is bare. If I'm the Rams, I am looking that way to rush the passer. Okay, so conversely, when the Rams have the football and the Dolphins are on defense, when you look at this Rams team, they are a top 10 unit on both defense and offense, similar to a lot of teams in the NFC West. Well, not the Seahawks. They pass a lot now. But in previous years, um, these NFC West teams play good complementary football. They run the ball well. They pass the ball well enough. They play good defense. They, they excel in all phases of that to make complementary football. So this Rams team, they they are the reason why they are five and two is because they play good complementary football. Um, they are a top five 
top ten, no, no, top five rushing team between Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown, a little bit of Cam Akers, but mostly Hendo and Brown. They do an excellent job pushing the chains, making a move, and really setting it up for Jerry Goff and these receivers to make some plays, yards after the catch. Maybe not the Yak Bros like they're known in, in Ninerland, but you know, between Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Josh Reynolds, shout out to him, he, he broke out last game. But yeah, they have some capable receivers. Even even the rookie Van Jefferson running some really crispy routes. I mean, they have some really good receivers to make it happen, especially in play action. If Jerry Goff is not under duress, and here's the thing about this Dolphins defense, their pass rush is okay. Um, I think they're an opportunistic defense. I think that their biggest strength comes in their secondary uh, with Byron Jones leading that unit. But, you know, it can be had. And I think that if long, as long as the Rams play their game, which is run the ball well, uh, set your golf for play action, make some good timely throws some accurate throws i hope jared goff but um get the ball to robert woods cooper cup move the chains doesn't have to be explosive per se but just keep it turning along and that sort of plan goes perfectly well towards the defense that you're getting from this dolphins because this dolphins defense it's it's i think everything they they do uh they're not horrible they're but they don't excel they're about mid-tier in every department, rushing the passer, defending the run, uh, pass defense. I, they do an okay job across the board now. I think at their three and three record, we've seen that they're you know they're right there. They're good enough. So if I'm this Rams offense, you know just do the damn thing. Do the damn thing. Um, another thing worth noting is it might be another game for Gerald Everett, the tight end, to step up. Tyler Higby still remains. Questionable as he works with his hand issue. Um, hopefully he plays this week. But, you know, out of Munt, out of Everett, they've been rolling along with their two, two tight end sets, with their 21 personnel. Um, you know, I think that this is a game where you might say it's a trap game for the Rams, three and a half uh, playing at Miami. But I think that a lot of this three and a half goes into to the optimism that a star ascending player like Tua brings into this matchup but don't get it twisted I think the Rams are able to do enough to get this rookie uncomfortable make some mistakes I'm calling it if Jalen Ramsey were to get a pick six on the young quarterback wouldn't surprise me so go ahead and give me the Rams 27 to 20 27 to 20 Rams so, okay, let's go ahead and wrap it up. So I have the Niners at Seattle, barely squeaking it out, 34-31. to 31. It's a game that will go back and forth. Uh, but I think that the Niners have the better defense to eventually get it done. But, you know, if the Niners get down early, if Jimmy Garoppolo makes, uh, makes a mistake, uh, turns the ball over, I mean, it could get ugly too. You saw what happened when the Dolphins rolled over the Niners when they got ahead early in the first half. So be be mindful of that. But as of now, 34-31 Niners. And then the Rams game. Rams at Miami. Potential trap game. But I think the Rams come up top 27-20. to 20. Uh, Sure, a lot of optimism for a young rookie ascending quarterback like Tua, Tua Lopo. But 
at the same time, too, this is a veteran Rams team that should do enough to make the kid uncomfortable, enough where he does make mistakes, enough where, you know, if you do your game plan offensively and play solid defense, you can come away with a win. So 27 to 20. Once again, thank you so much for checking out the pod, whether you do that on Spotify or iTunes. Check me out, Twitter, at Just the West, Instagram, at Just the West, and of course the blog, Room for Improvement, but it's there, www.justthewest.com. Until next time, have a great Halloween weekend. We out here. Peace.